you know, you bring in your questions. I want mine. Look at Susan. What? You. I don't feel like I don't feel I don't feel it's as big a strategy as you think it is. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after the nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You have selfish, ignorant citizens. You're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they'd like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. yeah! Hey, guys, welcome to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith. I'm joined not in studio because we don't have a in-studio because... I don't want to start with this, but we know what the, the pandemic is. We're trying to be safe. We're trying to be responsible. I think that's what we're trying to do. So Dentricia actually is joining me, Dentricia Blanchett, who is a communication specialist, and she's on the line. So she's actually on the phone line. So Dentricia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steven. Hi. Dentricia is awesome, by the way, guys. Dentricia is like one of my most favorite people to work with because she's so freaking professional like she is so good like it's just a joy then she's just saying it's on on the ear because people need to know that you're great Thank you. 100%. All right, so me and Nanchisa, we're going to be talking about professionalism to a degree. We're going to be talking about asking the tough questions, which is something that kitticians probably need to do more of. You know, you know, you need to tend to flat that stuff. You need to say, hey, look, you know, I have talent and I deserve more. Right. Um, we're also gonna be touching, we're gonna touch it on COVID-19, just our like loose perspective. We're not like super professionals, we're not scientists or anything like that, but we're gonna talk about it for just a little bit. And we're also gonna talk about her journey and her jobs and her passion in her field. So then Tricia, once again, welcome to the show. But before we go into that, we're gonna have to do our fact of fiction section. We're gonna give Dentricia five statements and we're going to ask if she thinks they're true or if they are false then she's ready no all of these are about men and women i think yeah i think they're about women i think they're about women yeah women that's that's the general like that's the general theme so this is a fact of fiction about women kind of a okay yeah it's weird all right let's go ready (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right let's go yeah. number one men on average said 20 percent more words than women men on average said 20 percent more words than women per day true or false Steven, that's false false yeah it's it's actually really false so you're right women <laughs> speak about twenty thousand words a day that's thirteen thousand more than the average man that sounds like yeah. so ridiculous though twenty thousand yeah, we, ch- we chat a lot. Oh, God. I feel like I chat a lot. And I think I do chat more than my girlfriend. But anyway, number two. Women cry on average between 30 and 64 times a year, while men cry between 6 and 17 times a year. Women cry on average thirty between 30 and 64 times a year, while men cry between 6 and 17 times a year. True or false? Um, I don't know. Uh, true? It's true. And when women cry, it's also for longer than men. Researchers found women's tears last for six minutes on average. Well, for men, they last between two and three minutes. 
Oh, wow. I'm really surprised that like, the men's percentage is so, so low. Yeah. Did you say six to 17? Six to wow. 17 times per year. In wow. in total. Like, yeah. Wow. As, I don't... Uh, I don't remember the last time I cried, really. So maybe that's true. Oh, wow, Stephen. I cried last week. Mm. Oh, boy. Then she your hugs, <laughs> hugs, hugs from the other side. Um, number, number three. Number three. Women's, women's hats beat faster than men's. Women's hats beat faster than men's. True or false? Where are you getting these questions? Like, what? False. It's true. What? Yes. To make so up, we are more anxiety prone. Um, I don't know about that, but to make up from having smaller hats, a woman's heart rate is generally faster than a man's. Men average, men average, men average about seventy beats per minute, while women average about seventy-eight beats per minute, causing the female heart to work harder over the course of her lifetime. So, wow. ha- heartache has a different meaning once you know that fact. Yeah. All right, so I have to get the two correct now because I just get one out of three. Is that correct? Actually, you got two out of three. You got the first two, right? Yeah, you did. did. (laughs) First one, first, second one was true. You're right. All right, number four. So if you get this one right, you win again. 30% of pregnant women crave non food items and eating disorder called pika. 30% of pregnant women crave non food items and eating disorder called pika. True or false? That's true. It's 100% true. Yes. What is it called? Can you pronounce it? Pika. It's P-I-C-A. Pika. Pika is the practice of craving substances with little or no nutritional value. Most pregnancy (laughs) and pika-related cravings involve non-food substances such as dirt or chalk or whatever. Yeah, that's... that's, That's weird. The, the word pika is Latin for magpie, which is a bird notorious for eating almost anything. Yeah, it's interesting, wow. facts. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Number five, the last. You have already won, but yeah, it's just good. Last yeah. Good and Tracy, a girl. All right, number five. <laughs> the most children born to one woman is 43. The most what? children born to one woman is 43. True or false? 43? 43. You know, you know, you know those things that sound really outlandish that they are true? That this is one of them. It's true. It's what? false. It's what? false. <laughs> now get this. The reason why it's false is because the greatest officially recorded number of children born to one mother is 69. 69. 69. The wife of Theodore. Vals, I don't know how to pronounce this properly. Vasil Viv, whatever, a peasant from Shuya, Russia. In 27 confinements, she gave birth to 16 pairs of twins, seven pairs of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. Wow. That is crazy. That is. You said she was in confinement? Yeah, she said in they said in 27 confinements she gave birth oh, wow. to 16 pairs of twins. Well, you know those twin genes, they're really, really strong. Yeah. So I mean, wow. Wow. But she also got triplets, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. Like at some point though. <laughs> <laughs> like she's super fertile, like winning. Yeah. 
That was between 1707, 1707 and 1782. But that is ridiculous. Like, like no. Like, no. Like, he, no. Throw down, <laughs> throw down the floor. Like, leave me alone. I'm running away. Like, after a while, you know. It's funny. Like, I'm going to say this and I hope people don't get too offended. But, you know, whatever. Um, after a while, I think, I think this becomes abuse. Like, like no, like sixty nine children coming out of a single vagina. It that's no. You can, did you say run away? That she should have run away. That's funny. She should have um, just ran. Yeah, our body, our bodies are amazing though, but that's a bit much. Sixty nine. Yeah. No. No, no, no. That's just abuse. Like, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? You you're literally trying to go for this record for all time. Ain't nobody no gain of 69 children. <laughs> you know, it, it, like, in, in some cases, I feel like, I mean, I want one child. That's where I am. I'm at one. One. Single. No. No babies. No. One. One. <laughs> the, the amount of times you say no. No. Like, no. you're literally in disbelief. Yes or no? No. One. No. One. One. Just no. One. Just one. <laughs> and and they'll that that child will be a child of the community. There'll be other children that they will play with, and they'll come over and they'll Aww. have their little parties and all of this That's nice cute. stuff. But just one, just one. And if God <laughs> so happens to bless me with twins or triplets or quad, then that's it. That might be it for me entire family. Really, I'll be like, look, we distribution <laughs> these rations. It's now those kind of hard times, and we all need to have a piece of this cake. So you, mommy, get one. Tad, you get one. Tiana, you get one. And I keep one. Yay, look at that. Yeah. I see. Yeah, the, the economics trip. of this time, nah, no, 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 no. Like, we're not about our life. <laughs> no, we're not. And it's also funny because I think, like, the economics of our, of their time was that the more children you get, the more hands you have on a yeah. farm. Yeah. So the more food you could produce, which is, because it's weird. I feel like that should be counterproductive after a while, though. The more mouths to yeah. feed is the more food you need, which means the more mouths need to feed themselves, which means you need more land, which means you need more cows. Need, you need more of everything to feed the hands that are already producing. Mm. Some point, they're going to be a giver, man. All right, then, Tricia. So what's up? How are you? I'm okay. Um, <laughs> this setup is different. <laughs> this, this, this setup is different? This setup different are we practicing social distancing yeah you know you know today like i went i went to the the supermarket yesterday mm-hmm. and i saw somebody who actually listens to the show and they were like you know how is the show going i'm like it's going fine but you know from now going forward we might have to not have people in the studio anymore and they were like um what is that serious i said well you know <laughs> i think it's it's only it's only responsible you know, it's like this worldwide movement. So I think everybody should just do their part to be as responsible as possible. If you could. Because yeah. it's not just it's not just for me. Um, it, it, it's for everybody. Like, suppose I am infected. I don't want to be spreading to people. You know, it, it's just right. it's just trying to be responsible. Yeah. And you don't know who's high risk for whatever unknowns we don't know that we have. <laughs> Indeed, and and the thing is, is especially 
in the studio, like there's there's a couch. People usually get very comfortable, and you know, I use it directly after. Yeah, it's just it, it creates like a situation where this is like, it's, it's like too easy. It's like COVID nineteen is just looking out like this is great, man. Do it. I love this. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't want I don't want to help it right now. I don't know. I don't even know because I'm in a different job. Mm-hmm. You know, like like we, we're like freelancers, kind of you know doing services and so on. Uh, like it's, I don't know if it's easier to not have to deal with a lot of people every day. I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You, you you work in a place where I think you have to deal with people on a regular basis. Like, how has it been for you? Um, well, I, I think because I'm in comms, it's it's a bit easier. I think you know I can work remotely. Dealing with people face to face is an option for me, uh-huh. so it's easy for me. But nothing beats that face to face, Stephen. You know that. <laughs> I know that. And the thing is, like, I'm I'm talking to you, and I already miss like the body language and stuff. Like, it's just. I know. God, my dentricia isms. I know. Yes, your dentricia isms, and your smile, and your like your little quirks, and your head twists. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's just. It's just different, but you know, you know, I don't know. I don't I, know. I saw a, uh, I saw, uh, um, I saw someone's status that said, you know, when this is over, I hope we appreciate, um, all the quirks of the persons that got us upset or just being in a crowd. Like it makes you appreciate the little things, honestly. <laughs> it does, and you know, you know, in yeah. Saint we don't even have like we don't have an official quarantine or anything. So right. so right now, what what is the day uh, today? Today is like Thursday the I've never know what date is Thursday the nineteenth. Like today's yes. Thursday the nineteenth. Um, we haven't had an outbreak. We haven't had any cases confirmed or announced. Um, and I said that with <laughs> a lot of a lot of vigor. But we haven't had that. So people are still right. people are still going to work reg like every yeah. day like normal. People, children are still going to school. Um, yeah, we still. Yeah, I we're pretty unbothered. Pretty <laughs> we're unbo- unbothered. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. I say unbothered because I think my shopping experience last week I had like two, like socially, I don't want to say awkward but uncomfortable situations, because last week Friday I went to Rams, and it was just so crowded. It was so much people. That I abandoned ship. I like, you know, I, I I can't do this. Like, it was like lines all the way down the aisle. I went like at oh, midday. Wow. It was awful. And it's like close proximity levels of awful. And I just oh, got like goodness. social anxiety immediately. And I just like, I this is not, I'm not picking up anything that I can't pick up another day. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not out of toilet paper. Let me just... Let me just, you know, let me just scoot on down, go somewhere else. And I, and I left and I came back the next day and it was, it was even worse. Saturday, it was even worse. Well, I've been doing my shopping um, at weird times. So at 10, you know, like times <laughs> I feel like the crowd is at work. <laughs> at 10? I can't. <laughs> I can't. <sighs> I can't. <laughs> and it's weird. It's just, and you know, it, be, because we don't have any kids, but we are so connected, like, um, saying is is not like off the grid, you know. Like yeah. we 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 tapped into like all the news stories. Like so, if you're fearful in the states, like 
we are kind of fearful down here because we are like we don't have the infrastructure that that we think the states has to deal with this, which right. which which might be which might be a little we might be a little misled in that regard. Um, today I was watching this guy. He was talking about I think it was his name is Jidania. Uh He's like an artist. Uh, he's a he's a rapper or whatever. I think his name is Jidena or Jidania or something. Anyway, he was saying that you know you know people have this false insecurity. You know you live in the states and it's all great and good, but mm -hmm. the states has like three hundred fifty million people and there are only forty seven thousand ICUs. Wow! So he's like not to insert panic, but just be <laughs> responsible. You know what I mean? I'm like. Do we even have more than one ICU? Like, I, I think it's insane because we have, like, what? Like, seven beds or something? Yes. Like... Yeah, like, how, yeah. like, how many ventilators do we have? It's, yeah. <laughs> I like that. A false sense of security. It's just this yeah. false sense of, of yeah. security. And it's like, the facts are way more troubling. You know, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, like, I don't want to present myself as like, as being somebody who is like panicked. I'm not, I'm not panicked. I, I think, you know, this is a disease. We've had other diseases. I think we've had much worse stuff come to, not in my time, but we've had much worse stuff, you know, that came through the earth, right? According to historical records, like the Spanish flu killed like, kill, like what, 200, 200 million people or some ridiculous yeah, amount. some crazy numbers yeah we've had we've had a few but i think you know this is just all over it's just all, everywhere oh it's everywhere <laughs> it's everywhere and i think you you, yeah. you know you start to like catch your bearings when like you hear stars that you not have it like it's like yeah. tom can't tom hanks has it he just elba has you know like it's I just know. Just like, what, how small is this world? Like, it just feels so small. Like, it's just like from Wutan, yeah. from a city in China to Aegis Elba. It's just like, what? And like, even closer quarters, like from a city in China to to like Jamaica and Antigua and right. Barbados. Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something. <laughs> It's just, it's just something. And, you know, like a lot of people, they talk about like the health implications and so on. And of course, I'm concerned about the health implications. Of course, anybody would be. Like nobody wants to have it and nobody wants to spread it. And nobody wants to, no, anybody to die or anything like that. But even more than that, like just the, the socioeconomic problems, man. It's just yeah. like, God, like somebody's like shut down the ports and I'm like, so we're gonna stay home and starve? Like how will we survive? I know. Like I do, know. do you have a farm in your backyard or something? Like do you have food stashed away? Like let's not pretend like we, we were looking at this from aft and like, oh you know, yeah, it's about that time for a big pandemic. No, we're not prepared. Like, ain't nobody gonna sell away with a lot of canned goods. Like <laughs> ain't nobody prepared for the apocalypse. You know, like, and the thing is, it's not just, like, if it happens for, like, two weeks, like, that's fine. Like, I guess we could probably be okay for two weeks, but, you know, if, if months, like, what what then? Yeah. yeah, it's indefinite. So that is the scary part. Like, we don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's ever-evolving. That is what makes it so scary. Like, you don't know if this will go on to summer, <laughs> if it will end 
in the next two months. Like, we don't know. <laughs> and I, I'm here, like, I'm here having this fictitious hope that it's over in, like, six weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, here, like, like, could it just be over in six weeks? Could we just flatten this curve to nil and just have, like, minimal amounts of diseases, right? And it's, like, so much news, though, because it's, everybody is talking about the same exact thing. And, yeah. like, today I read, like, this story about um, about Jamaica and them refusing a, a cruise ship, I think, that's connected to the Carnival brand of ships or whatever. And mm -hmm. they were, like, they were straight up threatening them. They were, like, you need to not be so hardlined and you need to allow we cruise passengers to come down to you because we have this deal. And they're, like, but what about our people? And they're, like... Right. Yeah, screw that because we need money. And if you don't accept us now, then we might never come back in the future. And I'm like, wow, that's a hard stance. Yeah. That is a hard stance. And I could only imagine, like, it's not just Jamaica, but all governments are like, what are we going to do? Because if we if we upset these people, this is our money line, our food line. Like, if we upset these people, there might be some longstanding consequences. You know, and, and our people still need to survive after this. It's not like the COVID-19 is not the end of the world. It's not. So after the world has re, like rebooted or whatever, then what then? I think when I heard, when I heard Rowley in Trinidad, when he, when he was at the press release and he spoke about shutting down Trinidad, not shutting down, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Flights can't come in on WhatsApp. I said, well, this is serious. You know what I mean? And when they're shutting down bars on WhatsApp, I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is serious. This is serious. This is serious cause they, because it's indefinite. As I said before, like, we don't they're know. shutting down our source of supply, money, all the work. And with no end. Long. With no end. no end. It's like we hope, but... <laughs> We don't know. Like, we gonna, yeah. we have to kind of play this one by ear. And it's like, you're playing by ear this source of my income. And then a lot of people be like, oh, you know, you're putting in health over income. Uh, you're putting income over health. You're putting the economy over health. And I'm like, I'm sorry to say it like this. You might not want to hear it. But a lot more people will go bankrupt than die here. Like... Let's just be real. Our Caribbean economy is, especially St. Kitts, I'm talking about St. Kitts, like Trinidad might be fine. They have manufacturing and so on. But like, oh, they might not be. I'm not saying they're going to be fine. But with St. Kitts, it's a very small place and yeah. the tourism dollar goes so far here. Right. Like the, the taxi men are not just taxi men. They are spenders in the economy. They provide an influx of cash. They, they're literally a conduit in some cases. They are big firms that deal with cruise ships here. Like, right. they imply people, hotels, restaurants, mm -hmm. they imply people, and sometimes they imply people on an hourly basis. So if there's nobody in the hotel, then some people ain't working. Yeah. If there's nobody in the restaurant, then, then some people ain't working. Like, and once yeah. they're not working then they spend less because they're like, well, I don't know when I'm going to see my next check again. Right. So, yeah. We yeah it's a tough, it's a tough spot. We it's can't. a tough spot, but we can only be responsible, honestly. Like, that is all we can do. Like, I don't know. 
I don't I, know, man. I literally, so, so I'm reading uh, Digital Minimalism, mm-hmm. and the author was like, you know, you talk about coming off of social media for 30 days and, you know, taking a break to really assess, you know, what is working for you, what is not working for you. And I said, this is a great time for me to just take a little social media detox. Break, yeah. Because the more I'm on social media and online, like my anxiety levels are raising and I'm like, Hi. I don't need all of this right now. <laughs> Hi. Like no. might not right now might be the time for a detox for real. Like yeah. maybe I just need to separate myself away from this a bit. Like it and it's overwhelming. It's I, I've gotten yeah. I've gotten more information than I don't I don't wanna say that than I wanted, but I've gotten more misleading information from social media than I've had actual credible information. It's mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of like myths and and story. And like right now is a weird time too because you're on social media and there's a pollution of um, fact and fiction just because we are in the middle of um, campaign trails and all this stuff. Right. And the campaign trail hasn't ended because of this um, pandemic. No. Like it's just. No. It's even more fuel for the fire. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of criticism, and that divisiveness. I, I I think at this point is really detrimental to us really being able to farm a sort of front and do a great job of containing and 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 preventing a, a serious outbreak here. Like how do you how do you band people together when you're still so far apart and you're trying to get into power at the same time when this thing is raging? It's weird. Yeah. But digital minimalism, you know, I've heard of I've heard of that book, never read it. Yeah, I've heard okay. of it. I've heard of it. Yes. You should try it. Kyle is really Kyle is good. It's to the point, it's short, it's not preachy. Um, but it really challenges you um to really think about how you're using social media. Mm-hmm. Um and I think for me because I'm in comms, you know, sometimes when you're doing social media for your job, you're doing online yes. <laughs> communication. You just it's different when you're on it personally. Yeah. It's a different experience altogether. So for me, it it's my solution right now. Just a little break. <laughs> but I mean, wait, wait, I mean, when you started, what what was like your first job? Like when what was your first actual job? Um, a public relations officer. So I came back home um, after studying, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get a job. So I literally came back home wanting to be a, a reporter. Really? A job. Yeah, I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to just simply tell you know people's story <laughs> officially. Um, but I couldn't get a job, mm-hmm. and I was probably home for like five months, mm. and it was really really tough. And Development Bank is not waiting for you no, <laughs> to get a care. job. No, they don't care. So it was a tough time. And I kind of volunteered at Saskatchewan, the port. Mm-hmm. Um, just my services, just to keep myself occupied. And then it was a few months in where they took me on Full to be time? their public relations officer. So it was different because in my mind, I just wanted to do news. You know what I mean? I didn't think corporate, PR, it's very different from news, from journalism. So it was it was a different path. Mm-hmm. And I think my career has kind of moved a different way than what I would have envisioned for myself originally. But to answer the question, public relations officer, um, 
in all its glory. <laughs> you know, it's funny because that's where I met you. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I met you. There was a project and um, you guys have brought us on to do some work for you, some photography and I think a book or something like that. But the thing is, like, I mean, journalism, PRO, that sounds like, it sounds very similar to the path that I took because I started, I started in journalism as well. Well, I started in journalism. I was actually doing it. And then I moved into commercial work. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's it was that evolution. You're right. It is a different. It's way more focused when you're doing like I don't know. Did you did you want to be like a gumshoe, like somebody who like uncovers like investigative stuff, or you just wanted to like report? Mm, no, I just no, I just wanted to be a beat reporter. I just wanted to be that reporter that specializes whether in health or just a specific field mm-hmm. to cover stuff like that. Um, and I knew that what I wanted to do as I, you know, as I entered the field. But originally it was really about just telling the story, whatever that is, um, improving my skills and then branching off into a beat reporter. So that was the original plan. Um, and and it's different because PR is, you're telling the story of this cooperation mm-hmm. and, you know, journalism you're telling it for the general public yes. you are not protecting you know protecting the cooperation yep. you're asking the tough questions you know you have a different motive um completely so it's, it's 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 the same communication but it's a different experience altogether so i just wanted to be a beat reporter um it took some time for me to transition into pr because i didn't like it even when i was in school and I did the courses i was like I wasn't even paying that much attention because I was like, this is not, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just here to get a good grade and to just move on. <laughs> so you did, yeah. so you did communication studies then? Yeah. So I did communication as my first degree and mm-hmm. I kept it pretty general mm-hmm. um, because I, you know, writing is natural for me. Storytelling um, is natural. Um, so I did that. Uh, and so that included journalism, that included PR, that includes marketing communication. So you, you got a taste of all the different elements, mm-hmm. um, as you would in a first degree. Yeah. But I was not studying the PR element of it. Even my internship that I did, you know, they were more focused around journalism, editorial work. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when I when I share my story with persons who are in communication, I literally say, just be open. You know, just be open. You because do you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> you don't know where the opportunity yeah. might be. Because the thing is, I when I was doing journalism, I didn't, I, I don't think I generally, I don't think I liked it. Um, the hours were long and the pair was not. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, <laughs> and you're getting to commercial work, it's like, you know, this is a little bit more comfortable and it's a little. Yeah. It's also a little bit more focused. Like um, you, you go basically project to project, um, versus having to show up every day and try to find stories to fill, right. you know, slots. Like then she say, "Ah, oh, you have you have six stories to give to me this week," you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in in commercial work, you might have one project per week, two pro- per week, maybe three, but it's just focused. It's like I'm trying to make you look good. And I always love telling stories too, but I just, you know, telling the story, again, and for me, I guess it starts to get a little bit, it's not repetitive, but I guess that's the best word that I could get to. Like, it started to get to a point where 
Um, if there's an accident, you go, you cover the accident. If there's a press right. meeting, you go, you do the press conference. If you, if if there's a a new plane coming in, I guess that's a weird story. But still, if there's a new flight, then you go and you cover that. Um, and yeah. I always like the human interest part more than right. anything else. Like the human stories, the the unique stuff. Like you know, yeah. she got married to fifteen people. And nobody found out until she reached number 15. Why did you do it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, sh- all of them are amazing. I love them all, Steven. Of course I did it. I'm like, great. Okay. That's enough of that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but I don't know. So you so you went from Scaspo and you said in, that was your first degree. So your first degree was communication studies full over. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. what did you like? Did you go back to specialize in something? Or did you do like a master's degree in something? Or... Yep. So I did my master's in public relations and media because um, at the time I thought, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be a bit more strategic as a communicator mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I wanted to be a leader. Um, I didn't have my eye on any organization. I just knew that I wanted to be a leader, leading a team, just really helping a brand to tell their story. Uh-huh. So I did that. Um, Lester, woo and uh, <laughs> what was that? What University was? of Leicester. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah, that's so, UE. Yeah, so no, it's in the UK. So I did online while I was at Casper. Oh, okay. So, so it was. I had. I was really, really intentioned to be a leader in communications, and then I was around there for five years, mm-hmm. and I thought it's time for me to leave, and I feel like. You have to know when it's time for you to move on to something else. And I thought, what does that look like for me here on St. Kitts? So I started to apply to different places um, on Ireland, even in Nevis. And I thought, oh, no, you know, nothing was falling through. <laughs> so I said, why not? Let's just cast our net regionally. Uh-huh. Um, and that's how I moved to Barbados and I did marketing communications. I led the team for 17 territories and it really, really stretched me as a professional, but it was, it was the best decision that I could have made. So, wait, so you, you went to, you went to Barbados. Yeah, I lived in Barbados. So the headquarters is in Barbados. So I moved there. Um, it was, it was, it was a move of faith, honestly. Yeah, that's <laughs> also. It was a move of faith. Like everyone asked me to call you get a job. And yeah. I was like, um, I just applied. Just applied. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I just applied. So literally, um, I moved Ship there up. and it was just handle it. 24. 24-7. Like, like, tough. And I was under 25. So I was 24 leading 17 territories, marketing communication. And I felt like, okay. This is it. You know really? what I mean? But that's so <laughs> taxing. Was it. it was very, very taxing. I didn't have a life. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Because it's banking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So bank, banking communications is a different beast. Um, so I was working all the time. It was just me and my dog. So You and your dog. You, you, you work to live. So I literally was working. The hours were long. It was a lucrative opportunity. But I felt like I want to make an impact in a different way, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so it really uh, forced me to just pause and, and say, what do you want to do? 
And that's when I decided to go back to school for counseling. And I said, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to transition from calm to counseling to wellness, but, you know, maybe healthcare. So then I said, you know what? Let me just cast my net again. <laughs> Apply. Oh, boy. <laughs> Apply. Out of face. And then I ended up back here where I am right now. And it was, I was, Stephen, I was prepared to even move to Australia. What? So I was so determined that if I'm going to do comms, if I'm going to work so hard, Mm -hmm. it has to be um, in a field that I'm passionate about. Like just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you have to stay in that field all the time. If it's taxing, you know, if it's taking away so much from your life, you have to love it. So I was determined. So I was so happy that the opportunity brought me back home. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I am right now. It's a different, obviously a different industry, a different cultural experience. Probably is. I'm I'm happy to be home, but I feel like it's, it's the right career decision for you at this point at this at this time (laughs) so you what what would you have done in australia sorry that that's because i always wanted to visit australia like uh, i think sydney like that what did did they call it like this they have this port this wonderful looking building man i sound like an idiot but still um i've always wanted the one that has like the little curve yes like the curves yeah okay Um, and I always wanted to visit like down under. I think I was um I was influenced. This is the dumbest thing ever. But I was influenced by the rescuers down under, which was a cartoon I watched as a child. Um, and they went, of course, to the down under. And <laughs> I loved it. I just like look at this sprawling space, like this outback, this wearing of this thing and the language and the way that not the language but just the way they talk and the, you know hi might you know it's just kind of yeah. I just the culture just seems interesting and I wanted to yeah. grow up and learn like oh my god Australians they make like a killing like you know I was like okay well this, this could be cool like I could wear the hat and I could be like the first black you know outback cowboy and 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 that would just be my my mark on the world. But I always wanted to visit there. So like when 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 you were gearing up to go, like what were you going? To, what were you going to actually do? Like what what was the draw to Australia? What I said Australia to mean anywhere in the world. Oh, the so you didn't have an opportunity. Would, no, wherever the opportunity would have was. taken me. I had an offer in Grenada mm-hmm. and I had one in DC. But I feel like did the right decision seemed like home was that move um and so that was <laughs> that was it for me <laughs> i don't know so like wait, so you are in comms right you do communications um so what is that what is that like like i mean i know i don't know why for me maybe i'm a layman so comms and pr will work sounds similar is is it is it like a big difference well it's a mix so, so when I lead communications, I lead internal communications. That is uh, everything from talking points, messages, videos, all the work internally mm-hmm. to colleagues and staff. <clears throat> and then I also deal with the PR aspect, just to make sure that the brand is known mm-hmm. on the island, that people, you know, that we're contributing, that people understand what we're about, that we are not only just. Uh, 
in a silo by ourselves. We're actually contributing to um, the development of the country. Oh. Um, and then it's a it's and then um, I do social media as well. Um, so I work with a team where we really manage um, social media across the channels. So communication is broad. Um, I really envy persons who are very specific. So they're only responsible for, for one public thing. relations. <laughs> 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 or they are a social media manager. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's funny you said that because I feel like as as like a kitchen or maybe it's Caribbean people in general, like whenever we go into an institution, we always found, find ourselves doing like multiple roles. The most. Like, <laughs> The, yes, the most, the absolute most. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Caribbean wide or if it's just Ketishan. But we don't just empty out. We, we just empty out the entire talent pool. Like you, you're going to an industry, you're going to a space. Like you might go into comms and then, or you might not be in comms. You might just be an assistant. And they're like, yeah, man, you could do some. You could do social media, right? Yeah. And we like we got this. <laughs> You know, people yeah. just complain and say all things, but we got this willingness. We don't just say, yeah, I could do that. Or like, so you don't drive, right? Yeah. I remember one day when I was working at Brisbane Productions, um, when I left, um, when I came to Brisbane Productions, I was doing commercial uh, video and photography, right? And I used to, I mean, one time, <laughs> I remember my boss asked me at the time, he was like, so you drive, right? You have a license? I'm like, yeah, I have a license. He said, I need you to drop these magazines down the, the, the thing for me. I'm like, okay, you have a car? He's like, yeah, I'll just drive this. So I'm now doing deliveries. <clears throat> and that's it. I'm now doing deliveries. Like it's no. now, it, it, it wasn't like a one-off thing. It was like, well, Steve, um, I'm going to need you to help so-and-so to deliver these things. We got by you know, the the Royal Logistics or whatever the name is. And we're literally going into these containers and loading off boxes of magazines. No. Right. So like, <laughs> and that's not even all. Like, that's not even all. Like one time I was called in to be a technician to go behind what? and to fix and assess. That's mean, too much. But that's what I'm saying. Listen. It's like, you're going to space, you're just doing everything. Yeah. I mean, and I think that I really think it depends on the culture of the organization. Um, so if you're working for like a really huge organization, you know that they're going to be specialized people. Of course. It doesn't mean that you should not be well-versed in all of the things you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should because nothing is, you know, for sure and solid. You don't know when you, you would have to shift. It's true. Um, but I feel if you work for a small organization, you really have to be just really flexible. And you can't even, like, hear your discomfort because no. it's like, you need the money. Yes. Um, I remember <laughs> I remember literally I was, when I first began as a PRO, and I had to be, that's where I blocked in the day, because I had to be photographer, <laughs> editor, <laughs> videographer. I'm like, I did not want to study this. There are other people who are skilled at this you know who at this so listen i always always wherever i go i make sure that i have a creative team who could support the vision because you know you're in it for a while so you could do it but you know that you can't do it as good as someone who lives and breathes it so why not give them the chance to do it when you 
when you're working for a small organization, it's like no budget deal. Money. money, no day. <laughs> it's just, and that's usually the case. Is like we're gonna hire somebody just to take some pictures. Really, I'm like, yeah. yes, that's a profession. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's a profession. And now that was that I got into photography that same exact way when I came to when I came to work at um, the commercial organization Brisbane Productions. Like I remember, I came there as um, a cinematographer. I was just doing video because I came from journalism, so I had the skills to edit video and to shoot video, and mm-hmm. that was generally my skill set. I I wasn't a professional photographer when I came there, but just so happens that there's a shoot. At Caravel Batik, and Stephen here's a camera. He's like, but I don't know how to use this. He's, he's like, well, all you do, this is how you turn it on, and you put it on this setting, and you just you line up these two triangular things inside the little viewfinder thing, and you're good. Listen, that's how my IT guys speak to me. This is how you put it on. And you press this button, and you're good. <laughs> I'm like, but but you know, and nobody ever like people people take their their skill set for granted because yeah. it comes easily to them. It's intuitive to them. But like, yeah. I went on a shoot and then she said, like the camera doing things. I just I I don't know how to work this. <laughs> like this is me coming from a point and shoot situation. Of course, we all used to have those little tiny point and shoot pocket little tiny cameras, right? Mm-hmm. And you just press the button. Like anything on a setting, you turn it down, you press the button. This is a professional um, DSLR. This is a professional photo camera. And this man is like, this is thousands of US dollars worth of equipment. And he's just like, mm-hmm. here you go. and go take some professional pictures for a client that's paying you money. Like, it just, it just boggled me. And of course, again, as you said, you need money. It's a small organization. You need the money. And you go out and you do crap. And everybody is so supportive. Like, yeah, it wasn't so bad. You just need to that, that, that. I, yeah. I wasn't so bad. I just, but this client ain't paying. It's like, yeah, but, yeah, he good, man. Just go out and just take some wider angles. What? <laughs> I think that, I think I was, I, I learned in Barbados to really sell myself. Mm-hmm. Because I work for a smaller, because, you know, the port is relatively small compared to, you know, the bank, CIBC. Mm-hmm. So when I was there and, you know, I shared, okay, I led a creative team, I do social media, it gave me rank and oh. it allowed me to demand more, <laughs> to demand more. And I feel like if I didn't even willingly, you know, accept stretch opportunities while I was at the port, I would not have been able to kind of show off. And put that in, in your different portfolio. Time. Right. So I feel like, there, you must have a point where you're like, all right, I'm doing this because it's going to serve X, Y purpose. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to gas up yourself, like toot your own horn. You are the best. Tell people what you can do because it really puts you in a position to negotiate. I want more money yeah. because I am skilled in this way because I'm realizing person can only write internal communication, but they can't manage social media or they can't, you know, manage a shoot or whatever. That's a skill. It's true. So because I'm doing this extra thing, let's talk money. So I feel like it's it's okay to be flexible and accept the stretch opportunities. But when you're in a position to really speak to 
I want more, you need to sell yourself. Yeah, you, you need, need to speak to up. Sell yourself. Yes, yeah, so I, I I agree, and I think what you're talking about is more or less of a, a two-step approach of, to it. Yes, you get all these skills. Yes, you're versed and so on. But I think you have to see the value in being versed because <clears throat> doing six jobs um, and being able to manage doing six different jobs is a big deal. Like six yeah. different jobs is really six different people. And I'm not saying that you're gonna go in there and get the the the, <laughs> the salary of six people, even though you right. really should. But you really should be able to negotiate for something more than just one pair. Like you, you mm-hmm. and and it's not just it's not also it's not also not just pair. I think like yeah. when it comes to work, like experience is is important because it it helps to save a lot of time. Um, yeah. and time is valuable. Like if if yeah. you're gonna go into a space and you understand how to logistically, like for example, suppose I helped you when I was younger to organize parties. Mm-hmm. And you're hiring me to be uh, a photographer, right? And that's my that's my skill. But I realize, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going in here. I'm asking you certain questions related to the party, and you're like, wow, how you know about this? I'm like, because I know about this stuff. Like, I become much more valuable because I'm much more in tune yeah. to your entire process. I'm not just mm-hmm. here, yep. Yep. just yep. to. And you become an asset. Exactly, <laughs> I become an asset too. Before you know, it. and people lean. They, yeah. If they like you enough to hire you, something they lean deep, and the other yeah. says he's like, Stephen, I need you a help. Then she said, "Do what do you think about this?" And they always ask it like consultation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny, <laughs> right? Because consultation in sync, it's and maybe it's not just sync it, but again, I'm just talking from what I've experienced. But consultation in sync it is literally this. It's it it it's preceded by this one statement. So um, then, Tricia, what do you think about um, doing this, 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 and this? And then, then Tricia is like, well, bam, consultation has begun. Yeah. That is yep. a consultation. Like, people literally are consultants only. Yeah. Like, that's a mm-hmm. job, job. And there we, is a fee for my thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> because your thoughts... <laughs> And the thing is, and the value of your thoughts is so much more because the value of the thoughts, it stemmed from your own personal and business-related yeah. life experience. Like, nobody has your exact life experience. No. And that's that's an inherently valuable, especially if you've proven that, like, you have good advice or you've done something in this field before. It's not just, like, empty thoughts of, uh, I think. No, it's, this doesn't work. <laughs> Like that, mm-hmm. like in this situation, this is what you should do. And when people do consultation, they usually, and it's funny because they talk with such authority. And maybe that's something that we're missing in our culture. Like to speak with a level of authority, like I'm not talking about being arrogant or, 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 right. or ridiculous, but like if somebody asks you a question like you, you respond with some level of like, this is what I think and this is what I stand by. Versus, um, man, or maybe you you know, that kind of the kind of wishy-washy kind of vibes. And you know what you're I talking think, about. You know what you're talking about, but I think at the core of it, and I you know, I've realized it since I've come back, that we're really afraid of criticism, we're afraid of looking like a fool, we're afraid of failing. <laughs> so we kind of backpedal sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we try to play it safe. Um, but it doesn't serve us because I'm in rooms where I know Stephen. 
a ketician could bat it up. You know, a ketician <laughs> could handle this. Could handle this. And I said, if we only had the confidence, you know what I mean? But it's, it's a fear. It's a it fear. And I just, you know, sometimes you just have to be like, even if I look like a fool, <laughs> but, I'm going to put myself out there. Indeed. <laughs> And that's the thing too, is like there's nothing there's nothing wrong. And sometimes I'm gonna say this and it's probably not hundred percent true all the time. But just in case in this in this situation, I've seen people who had awful ideas and just speak with a level of confidence and everybody on board. I'm like, mm-hmm. but this is this is an awful idea. Who thought of this? <laughs> who thought of this? <laughs> like, like I don't even want I don't even want to go into it because I think like, um, even today, I had a very interesting conversation with somebody. And I just found it to be like, it, it was, to me, it was dumb. Or it wasn't very smart. But at the same time, I think for the person that, did, that just didn't understand it. Like, I, I remember today I was talking to somebody and they had up a, a picture. And I'm like, why is that person on a, on a green screen? Like, why, why is it that they are on a, on a green screen? They're supposed to be representing this brand or whatever. But this the 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 this the green on the screen is not in coordination with the brand at all. You, you know, it's like the it's not the color, nothing. It's green. And say their color is purple, right? Like, why are you why are you promoting this person who is a representative of purple on a on a green screen? And they're like, well, you know, it's not me. Um, you know, I just went to pick up the picture. I said, but you do realize that this person is 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 taking a picture on a green screen. They said, well, I just thought it's a green background. I said, no, that's a green screen. It's like, oh, well, we could just change it. I said, but why would they take... And this is me now getting technical. Huh? It's like, why would you take a picture of somebody on a green screen? Like I understand. Did you if, say this loudly? Yes, I told the person. Oh my goodness! I said, like, <laughs> why, why would you, why would you do this on a green screen? It makes no sense. Like, if you're, if you're doing, if you're doing photography, like a green screen is, is a little much. You know, it, it's a little much because you could literally, you could cut that person out. You put them on a white or black or gray or something, mm-hmm. and it's easy to take them off of that. It's not, it's not a difficult process, but a green screen would create green around the edges of their head. And it's very difficult to get rid of the green spill, we call it spill, on the outside borders of them. It's going to look weird. So the person is like, um, again, like, we hire a professional, I guess that's weird. But he didn't even, like, superimpose the person on anything. Like, wh- what is this? And again, I'm just saying, from my standpoint, how I am looking at it is that this is not smart. It's not a smart right. thing. Like, yeah. it doesn't work toward the brand that you, you, you're trying to push. And then it's like, sometimes you got to look at it. So it's like, okay, I'm looking at this from a different perspective to this person. This person just sees a picture. I'm looking at context and what this mm-hmm. means and what this, what, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. You're looking of, at it. You're looking at it through that professional eye. And a lot of times, even people don't ask the questions. People don't ask the tough questions. And I think that is, for me, I can speak for myself. That's what I love about the creatives I work with. Mm-hmm. Because they push. 
they push, they said, they give you suggestions, they say, nah, this is not going to work. You know, they, they, they push the envelope and they ask for questions to challenge you because you're not in the creative field, you don't know it all. No, not at all. <laughs> like, you have a group of creatives in there, the energy is so amazing. You know that it's a whole bunch of awesomeness. Not one person can come up with everything. Indeed. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we are afraid to push. <laughs> Even if the person had Coca-Cola, you know, as the client, you know, they had um, Gucci as the client. We're afraid to push. And, you know, we have to, you know, that's not it. Ask the questions. Yeah. Ask the common sense questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the thing is like, maybe as a communications person, you probably have these tools like lined up in your brain one after the other, right? But sometimes you don't need to like call out somebody difficult. Like you don't need to make it uncomfortable. You could just, sim- simple questions does really like expose a lot of um, inconsistencies. I say yeah. inconsistencies when I really mean nonsense. Um <laughs> But but it, a simple question like so why are we why do you want to do this this way, right? You know and then you kind of gauge how invested this person is in this idea, um like it's a lot of times that like you end up, I mean especially in in my profession you end up you always collaborating, <clears throat> like if you're not collaborating with other like minds you come you're collaborating with even the client itself. Right. You know, and you kind of have to try to get via vision um, t- to be the best that it could possibly be given any circumstance, right? And one thing that I've learned is that sometimes the client has better ideas that you would have than you would have from the onset. Like them, right. sometimes they're way more familiar with what they're trying to say. Not sometimes, most of the times they, they know what they want to say, they probably don't know how to say it. But I've had like I've had people who be like um, on a shoot and they were like, "Oh, that angle you want to try take it from that angle," and I go over at the angle and guess what? It's better. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I like I would be posing somebody one time. I remember having a, um, a wedding and I was posing the bride and groom, and this bridesmaid came over and she was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" But just pour this way. And I'm like, "Yeah, so pour this way," and I was like. To hell, that's that's ten times better than what he was doing. Like, yeah. and e- eventually you kind of leave your ego the equation because for me it yeah. do, it shouldn't matter. Like, what doesn't matter is your ego. Your ego is gonna come, it's gonna go. You're gonna feel bad, and you're gonna not feel bad, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're gonna feel more important, less important, or something. That's a wave you're gonna just ride for the rest of your life, right? But mm-hmm. in terms of what you're doing. That is the long-standing consequence. That is what remains. If you take a good yeah. picture, you've taken a good picture. Like nobody's gonna ask whose idea it was. Like nobody cares. Right. Nobody gonna ask. And even down to the, the situation of nobody's gonna ask you. Like I mean, unless they're into photography or they kind of into something. Like nobody asking you what equipment you use and stuff. Like nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like, does it look good? Is it attractive? Does it make me feel what it's supposed to make me feel? Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. Like, but right. he's like, oh, you use a 5D matrix. Who cares? What is that? That sounds like some kind of jargon from space. Like, <laughs> like you, you, you come You're from... You're so savage! Huh? <laughs> like, You're so savage! <laughs> like, it's, it's funny. Like, like when, whenever I speak to, like, younger guys in the industry, I mean, love working with younger people, just a breath of fresh air, right? But a lot of the times they get hung up on 
what it is you're using. Like, so you don't use that camera, you don't use this camera, you can use this lens. And I was like, yeah, these things are important. I'm not saying they're not important because without a lens you can't see, but they're not the most important thing. Right. Like they're not. Right. You could have. And, all, and, go ahead. <laughs> and I'm on. I'm on the other side. So I'm not on your side where you guys are producing and doing the editing. But I'm on this side where have we told the story you want to tell? Yes. <laughs> So I don't care what camera you use, you know. That matter to me. My thing is, are we communicating initially what we wanted to? Exactly. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you could get, Leon, you know, you're creative to say, you can get caught up in the minutia. Yes. And then we, the clients, we just like, did we, did we tell this story the right way? You did know what we? I mean? <laughs> Did we? This shot looks good, but it's a shot of Coca Cola when we advertise in Pepsi. Yeah, it's true. You can't. You you can't. I mean, it's good. It's good to be meticulous. It's good to have the best tools. It's good. It's great. You know what I mean? But you know, when you're serving a client, their thinking, our thinking, is just different. (laughs) It is different. And, and, and you know, and I think maybe that's where like good communication is 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 key, because yes, you could you could shoot something dull, and it mm-hmm. still be very effective. Yeah. Like yeah. I was watching some like Nike commercials two two days ago doing some project research and so on, and I was watching some Nike commercials and they were usually they were using a one shot, like literally. Just one shot. And I remember one of them, they were so powerful. It was just this young fellow, this this larger fat guy. I don't say fat, sorry. If, any, if you're offended, I'm sorry. Fat is in the dictionary. So this fat guy was running toward the camera and this guy is right. talking over it. And he's saying, like, he's talking about greatness and you have to be your own type of greatness. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, greatness is not just reserved for people who you see on TV. Greatness mm-hmm. is what you do every day. So... You're looking at this guy and he's just running and the camera is just stationary and he's just running toward the camera. That's all. That's that's it. And that's, that's the in- it? that's it. There's no wow. there's no alternate shot. There's no shot of his yeah. feet. It's just this wide angle and he's just running toward the camera. And that's yeah. it. And just the voiceover yeah. talking. That's it. And I found yeah. it to be so powerful. Yeah. Because it's just yeah. clearness of intent. There's no there's, you could have done a hundred things. You could have used a drone and gone over his head and you see him running. Mm-hmm. And you could have used a cutaway <laughs> shot of his feet and you close up his face and see the beads of sweat dripping on your eye. And you could do all of that stylish stuff. But like the communication, the clearness, the, the simplicity of it, I swear that I feel like it changed something in me. I was watching one with the American Diabetes Association. So they had this red box. Mm-hmm. And this man standing in front of their red box speaking about his experience as a diabetic. Mm-hmm. And that was it. You see normal people walking behind the box, life is happening around this box. <laughs> and he's standing in front of it. That was it. That was it. And so then, um, you know, the, the, the group that was discussing it, they were like, oh, this is an amazing ad. It's just you know, awesome. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Okay. Okay. You know, but at the end of at the end of the day is what the client wants exactly. and what they feel will meet whatever goal or message they kind of captured in the brief. That's that's what it is. I and I find mm-hmm. and I find 
even with my writing, because you know sometimes when you're a writer, you put a lot of yourself in it. Yes, you and do. And when you're in corporate communication, you you are writing for your leader. You know what I mean? So you may have a, a different preference, but if you CEO, you know he like you know. If it's not green verbs or anything, mm-hmm. you got to give him what he wants or she what she wants because you're communicating for them. Yeah. You know, so... It's like you're inhibiting, you're, you're inhabiting their voice because yeah. the... And a lot of the times too, you're right because like CEOs and people who are, you know, are people just in charge. It might not be the CEO, it might just be the head of communication or the head of the marketing department. Like they have a specific voice and yeah. they like their voice. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 interesting, but it's true. They like their voice, yeah. and when you write for the company, you kind of have to learn how to speak in their voice. You might not you're not going to use their words particularly, right. but the way that they communicate, if it's short form, if it's very laid back, they just have a yeah. a preference to that. It's like professional code switching. <laughs> yes. It is exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. professional goods. Yeah. And people want what they want. Like, you you know, there's so many times that, like, I want to do 150 things. And sometimes I have to just remind myself, like, yes, I want to do 150 things. But this person might only want 10. You know? Yeah, what I mean? That's why right. so it's, it's so important for us as creatives to have an to have a passion project where we can still be ourselves, where we can still be authentic, where we could still have the Stephen in you coming out, the Dentrisa coming out. Because when you're you're working with somebody, when you're working with a company, when you're working with clients, you're serving them, you know, and your creativity can kind of, you know, be diluted because you're just working for them. Mm -hmm. So you, I, I keep telling persons this, you know, have a project where it's all about you. It's yes. about whether it's a blog, whether it's a vlog, wh- whatever it is, whether it's a series where your voice remains your voice. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, after you're done code switch <laughs> <laughs> on the job, like nine to five, you know, eight to seven in my case, like, you can come home on the weekend or you can come home after and you can still have an outlet For where yourself. your voice is still yours. You know, at the at the top. It's still yours. <laughs> and I think that I think but, you know, you know, it's funny because when you say that, all I'm thinking about is people just diverting and gaining away from misery. Cause when you're code switching every day and you're kind of losing your essence. Like yeah. no matter like it's like it's like saying, no matter how much money I pay you, if you are miserable, you will never be happy. Like no matter how much I give to you to do something that you don't like doing, like yeah. there's no amount of money that's going to make you like what you're doing. There's an amount of money that would make it worth it. You probably could find that for a little while, but then no matter how long how much money it is, it's like I deserve more money because I hate doing this. Yeah. And and yeah. human beings are of that like once we feel like we're stagnant to like if you feel like you're in an industry or you're in a, a business or a, you're in an industry where you're not growing or you don't feel like you're doing anything new, you can get bored. And yeah, then, and when know. you get bored, you get miserable. Like people are get antsy and <laughs> miserable and they get stuck. Yeah. So I think the yeah, best we way. Need- 
Mm-hmm. We need a challenge. You know what I mean? You need a challenge. You need something to keep you ticking because you, you're in a field for seven years, 10 years, five, you know, it can become run of the mill. You know what I mean? You could edit a video in your sleep. <laughs> you know, it, you need something to challenge you every now and again. And it's funny because I, I I think like that's your own personal responsibility as a as a person. Even if you're not like a a creative per se, mm-hmm. um, if you like doing something, like if you like traveling or if you like, I don't know what is not creative. If you like scuba diving, and you just right. like you have a hobby, you like playing sports, like yeah. don't let don't let the world of work or the world of um like. The world of the corporate world or whatever. Don't let it take you away from yeah. doing what you love to do because that's your essence. That's who you are. And if you lose that, like no, no matter what the world gives you, if you lose your soul, and, and like sometimes I don't do a lot of metaphoric, like comparisons, like you know what what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, right? And I that's see the Bible. It's the Bible. That's and the Bible. The thing is, I relate. I relate that so differently because. Like, you know, of course, you have the soul and your spirit and all that. And that's the religious context. But, like, sometimes I try to find ways to, like, they connect it to more of a physical plane. Forgive me. That might be blasphemy. I don't know if it is. But um, <laughs> I just take the wisdom and I transfer it. And I was like, if I take my soul, if I said my soul is my, my, my decision-making or my ability to do whatever I want to do. Said so I transpose it to me in that. Like, what does it profit me to get all the money and I have no direction. Like, I have literally no say in what I have to do. If, like, somebody has has me like a puppet, you know what I mean? Like, they could tell me, go here and embarrass this person, destroy that person, um, kill these people, uh, create this bad situation over here. Like, even if my, my, my conscience is like, that is awful, Stephen. Like, I literally have no power, no choice but they're going to pay me all the money I could ever want. Like, is it really worth it? Could you really find happiness in a soul that's so tainted? Yeah. Like, could you? Like, it, 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 you, <laughs> some people will say, like, yeah. give me the opportunity and I'll tell you if I can't. I'm telling you, you're not going to. If if you have to kill babies, like, no. I'm no, sorry. No, no. You, you, I have a conscience. You got to <laughs> live with that, like, and there's not there's nothing you could say. Oh, they made me do it, but do you really yeah. believe they made you do it? Oh, I did it for the money. Like, did you? It was a choice. No, you had no. a choice. You had a yeah. choice. Like, and your God, you can't use your choice. If you don't exercise your choice, you don't have it. Yeah. You don't have it. Yeah. Like saying, you know, I could have. Yeah, yeah, you you didn't. So you did. You, you didn't like. Like every day you go to work. And I don't, I don't, I don't like to be so black and white. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have a choice. You know what I mean? And you chose whatever you chose. It wasn't like you were forced. I know there are a lot of gray areas. Of course. Um, but it's a choice a lot of the times. And even if it's a tough decision, like most of the times we choose the easiest decision yeah. and act as if. We, you know, we we had nothing to do with it. We're not accountable or responsible for our actions. No, you chose. 
You chose it. You're right. Right. You chose it. And even if you didn't actively say, like, you know, like people say, like, um, not saying anything or not choosing is making a choice. Like if you're in a situation and you, you're going to work and you are at work and you're just doing it and you're like, you know, I didn't even really choose to come here. Somebody came, they picked me up, they dropped me off. You know, I'm here now. It makes sense. Like you're just making a lot of choices. Like, and if you keep making the same choices over and over and over and over again, that kind of dictates what your life will turn out. That's that's all your memories, dear. That's true. That's the culmination. That's the the complete collection of your experiences. Is what your life is. It's not even the collection of what you've attained. It's the collection of all the stuff that you've been through. That is your life. Saying I have a million dollars really stops deal. How did you, like people want to know how you got it? Because the experience yeah. is more valuable. Yes, you got a million dollars. Yes, you got five billion dollars. Yes, you then she says the first billionaire coming from St. Kate, right? But like, okay, that's great. So tell us more. How? Right, yep. Yeah. How? That's like the, the values, like how? Like we are like, when did you get your first billion? Like, how? Like, what did you do? And that's the culmination in your entire life. So, like, you got to keep making these choices. It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. The other day, um, and this is probably going to segue into something else, but the other day I read this, um, this letter. This, this employer had sent a letter to his staff, and he basically mm-hmm. told them that, um, you know, it's been a long time coming. You guys are, some of you are very unprofessional. Some of you are very insubordinate. Um, and if you can't work as a team, then you could send in your resignation. And if you can't, if you can't come to work on time, send in your resignation. If you can't stay off your phone while you're in working hours, st- you know, I could accept your resignation. And a lot of people were up in arms about it. Like they were like, is, is, "This is a real thing." This is a real thing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It really, really happened, in, and it happened in Saint Kitts. Um, but like a lot of people were upping arms about it. And I read the letter and I'm like, yeah, the letter is harsh. I, I could admit it's written in a very strict tone, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with this. <laughs> like some of these things is it's to me, rudimentary stuff. Like you can't be talking like carousing and having like a party while you're working, unless where you're right. working is a party. And right. even then, you can't be distracting people from their party. The paying patrons. I, I mean, it begs, you know, I'm not a fan of super strict organizations. I mm-hmm. feel that when persons are placed within, you know, any confinement, they're not, they can't be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're following all these rules. They, they can't be their best. They're just doing what you want them to do some employers I like that you know what I mean that's not my preference mm-hmm. um but my question is did these people have an opportunity to kind of where they want before you because this letter sounds it sounds extreme. but the thing is and and it, it's funny because within the letter itself it did address that like okay. he did did and let me not say he but the organization did highlight that this is like an ongoing issue okay so okay. it's almost, so they were one before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were mm-hmm. after speaking to you guys for this amount of time, and you know, it's just like to me, it 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 had enough meat on it 
to say that mm -hmm. this wasn't like a one and done scenario. This is like mm -hmm. a set of behaviors that have been observed, have been spoken to, have been warned. And again, nothing is being so a, a stern letter was, I guess, the next step before termination. And again, a lot of people are up in arms about it. And I do understand what you're saying. Like, if you are working in a situation and it's very confined, like human beings tend to rebel against confinement. And in yeah. that act of rebelling, you're not being very constructive as a right. business. Because it's that's like turmoil, it's you know. And nobody's getting along because it's it's not working, it's not gelling well. So it's not as a unit, it's not functioning to full capacity. That's all I'm saying. But at the same time, yeah, if, it, go ahead. Yeah. You know, it boils down to Stephen company culture. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I honestly think leaders lead the culture. So, I mean, you could have people, you know, who are under you or supporting you acting up, but you are the one who lead the culture. And I see that you, when you see an organization has gone so far left, it speaks to the leadership. Ooh. I haven't seen this letter. But it speaks to the, le to the leadership because you are responsible for nurturing that, that culture. Mm. So it's not only HR, because I know sometimes you feel that HR is responsible for the organization culture. But it's you as the team leader, you as a supervisor, you as whatever you are, mm. your you know, support, they feed off of you. And if you realize that you support acting up, you know, maybe once or twice or whatever, then that's a conversation about whether you belong in this organization, whether your goals are the same for this organization or whether you should be shifted to another department. You know, it's a conversation about how can we help you to be a best girl because firing is, nobody likes that. No, no, nobody likes to be without bread. No. Even if you have a whole bunch of savings, no. So, I just, I, I honestly see whenever there is, there is that type of chaotic culture. Mm -hmm. I just, I always, always think about what is the leader like? You know, what are the leaders like? What are they doing to nurture this culture? Um, and then let's move from there. Um, but I think generally, in saying this, we're very relaxed when it comes to <laughs> professional life. <laughs> That's that's very, are, are you willfully making this into an understatement? Are you? We're very very relaxed. Like uh, our breakfast time is a full hour. Yeah, man. <laughs> you come in at we eight are, and then you eat breakfast till nine. Hello, <laughs> we're very we're very very relaxed, and you know sometimes you know we have these these are this is the way that we're gonna operate on people. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're seeing your leader doing this, a similar thing, or you know, no one is pulling you up while you're doing it. You just don't care. Like, mm -hmm. what is the leadership doing to help to kind of nurture the culture in a certain direction professionally? Um, and I, and I, when I was in Barbados, my team lead, you know, it was a very even though it's a bank, the marketing comms department, we were very relaxed. Mm. Um, so it was a very, it was because we're creative. So you want your creatives to feel relaxed. <laughs> we're not, we're not bankers. Like we're not the money people. You mm. know, we are the people who, who help you to kind of market yeah. the brand. Um, so our leaders made sure, you know, that they did whatever to make sure that we were engaged. We were happy. We had enough time. There was, you know, a level of flexibility, 
you know, just to keep us happy so that we could produce. And I saw that from the top, from the top coming down. So, so when I know came from St. Kitts where, you know how we are professionally, you know, you come in for 8.30, <laughs> you leave at 4. Like, very, hello. <laughs> it's different. It's different. So when I see my team leave, you know, being so relaxed, it gave me permission to be relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then I was relaxed with my team. So, I mean, like, you you really have to consider what is the leadership? What is the culture? Mm-hmm. What is the culture? And some organizations, you know that they're straight. You know? Bad. <laughs> you know they're straight. Others, you know that, you know, all they care about is your output. So, mm-hmm. you could be jokey. You could have your fun or whatnot. Once At the end of the day, it. is what you're producing. And then there are others who are a bit more relaxed and... With me, you know, that's my culture because when I go to Chicago and I'm with my team, we wear jeans, <laughs> we wear jeans, we relax, like the CEO is super chill. I'm like, listen, Steven, like me coming from the Caribbean, I'm like in my suit, yeah. you know, dress up, but no. And so you have to think about what is the culture of this organization and is it a fit for me? Is it a fit for me culturally? Is it a fit? For my personality, like you have to think about that. Um, but that leader, that leader drives drives that point. culture. And sometimes because the leader, you know, he might be a bit he or she might be a bit ambiguous. So sometimes, you know, they're fun, other times they're strict, 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 like the inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You find that, you know, the workers they begin acting a bit all over the place. Random. You know? They're so random. Random. Yeah. yeah. yeah true. Yeah. And that's the thing, that's a good point. And and what something you said just now that, that kind of reached out to me, it's like, is this a good place for me? And I, I, I think a lot of the times we're so focused on the money, or like we need to we need this job to do this, to do that. I don't think we ever really consider like, is this job really, is this atmosphere and this culture, is it really like does it work for me? Because if yeah. if if I'm in a if I'm going to work in a strict because again, when you're dealing with different clients, I guess you're dealing with all different cultures. I mean, you have your own culture with your team, but again, dealing with different people, different people are different. So it's like some a client might be way more strict and like, hey, look, we need to get this done by this time. I need this, um, you know, I need this tomorrow morning or whatever the case. I need this by six o'clock. Other clients may be like, you might be the one setting the term saying, I'm going to deliver this at six o'clock. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. You know, they, they didn't care. Like it didn't, it didn't matter. They were fine with what, whenever you were done. But I'm, again, it's like, you have to ask yourself, is this culture, is this where, where I work, is it a good fit for me? It's not just if I'm a good fit for them, but right. if this, this is a good fit for me. And, and I realize, and, 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 and we, and, you know, and I said this, I said this, but, those who connect with me, I say, this is that is where you ask the questions when you're being interviewed. You you interviewing them to see if they're fit for you. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and not because just on a it's financial not about, level. I want a job or I need this. You know, sometimes you do need a job. You do need something because you have obligations. Of course. But but generally, you should ask the quest the tough questions. Interview. The interviewee, interviewer, 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 ask a question, interview them, ask them the tough questions because I know persons who are great at their job, but their work culture is gregarious, every you know, is an open field concept, and they leave the workplace draining. 
Because, oh, you know, as an introvert, you're into yourself. You, you could do the job good, but you're so overstimulated by the energy on the floor. Yeah. That by the time you go home, it's like... They're tired. Uh, tired. So you have to ask the tough questions. Ask, ask the tough questions. Not only about the pay. Exactly. About the culture. About, about the culture. personality. Ask them how they, you know, you, just like how they give you scenarios where... What would you do if X Y Z happened? You what? hit them with a "What did you do if X Y Z happened?" And see what they say because they might tell you something, and you're like, "Nope, not this place, mm-hmm. yeah. not this place." <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of abuse that happens in the workplace. Even, I mean, beyond beyond just stuff like that, like a lot of worker abuses, and people like accept it because they no, don't accept that. No, you're a human being. Like, beyond everything, you're a human being. Like, sometimes I see people talking to their, I want to say subordinates, in this kind of, like, what is this? Yeah, and this person father, like, what you, even as your father, you ain't supposed to talk to your children like that. Like, some yeah. kind of abusive stuff. And again, yeah. it's just, I don't know if it's, like, sometimes it's cultural more than just the work culture. It's just... It's a cultural thing. Like, you adopt this kind of paternal, this paternal energy when dealing with your employees. I'm like, no, this is a trade. They're trading you their time and you're giving them money. You're trading them money for time, or skill, or value, or well, because you can't do everything. Yeah. You can't. If you could have, a lot of. <laughs> it's gonna sound bad, but a lot of people, if they could be, the, if they could be, if they could clone themselves and do their whole restaurant, they would clone themselves and do the entire restaurant. They would never I hire like, anyone. I feel like there should be a level of um, professional empathy because I know for me, my leader came from the newsroom, so you're not in the newsroom, Stephen. <laughs> You're cussing each other. You're shouting. What do you have? It's a fight. You know? And so then, you know, that that was her culture that she came from. Years of being a journalist in the newsroom. So her style of leadership, unfortunately, is a bit hostile. Yeah, <laughs> You I know, like it a was chef. a bit hostile. And so now we know, you know, we come from different organizations, cultures or whatever. We know we had to be like, okay, we could understand. We understand. I mean, I write, but we could understand why she does move like this. Because she comes from that newsroom culture. So there must be that, not saying you take, take your abuse or, yeah, you know, you sit quiet. You but there must be some professional empathy. And I, and I speak about this passionately because I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. And I know that at times I'm getting pressured from the top. And sometimes my support would feel that pressure. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm trained to be difficult or whatever, but pressure on me. So, I mean, I need us to kind of rev it up for us to ensure that, you know, we're delivering. Exactly. And so we need that empathy. Yeah, she, she might be going through something. I know sometimes, you know, in cases when we see people acting up, especially our bosses, we just be like, oh, he ain't got he ain't 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 he
all. And that is the, there's more to being empathetic um, than that relational clashing that might, you know, offset somebody when they show up to work, especially if they are a leader. Indeed. Like, we, we are not empathetic at all. Not excusing bad behavior. Because some people just overdo it and you have to be like, I could do without this. Yes. <laughs> I could do without this. And sometimes you got to be like, you know what? Let me start saving my money the next three months. <laughs> so that I could bust up. move. <laughs> or sometimes, but, sometimes too, I think, and this is, this is where like maybe that kind of empathy could come into. You let the person finish their mood or their, this section and then you talk to them after they cool long. It's like, hey, listen, I appreciate that you're under some stress and sound, but I think this was really over the line. And you don't do it in front of everybody. You don't like make it a, a right. public thing. But you could go a private meeting like, hey, then Tracy, like, I love working with you and love this office and I really like this job. But like, I felt like this time when you did this, this and this, I would have much rather you did this, this and this. And I felt like it was kind of over the line for me. Mm-hmm. And then you you normally, like a lot of things could be started with just calmness. Like just calmness. Like you approach somebody calm and they're in a calm and it's just like, you could be surprised how easy it is, how fluid it is at that moment, at that juncture. It's like, then Teresa yeah. might be like, Stephen, I understand what you mean and I think that was that was crossing the line for real and I'll, I'll try to do a little bit, I'll try to do better the next time. You're like, okay, sure, cool. You know, we read you 100%. Bam, bam, shake yeah. hand. And that's it. Because at the end of the day, Stephen, you know, they're human. Yes. You know what I mean? And not everybody manages their emotions at the best of their abilities. That's at all true. times. Some, peop- some people don't have that emotional intelligence. And so you know who in a different headspace, you got to come in and manage your boss. <laughs> you got to yeah. manage your leader. So just calm down. We're going to be all right. And then you you have it from there. I agree with that. We need, yeah, calm then vibes work. They work. Exactly. <laughs> Candace is... Hey, look, listen. You know, most, like, most arguments, right, they happen from a point of, like, high tension, eh? Like, yeah. it's just a high... Like, blasting somebody, putting somebody on blast in public is a very defensive situation. Like, nobody wants yeah. to look like a fool in front of people. Like, nobody. No, no, and and I've found this to be... Real throughout creed, throughout color, no matter. They, they, nobody wants to be put on blast, especially if they're in a position of management. Nobody wants to be yeah. put on blast in front of everybody. Like, that's not... You're already in a bad situation. Uh, even if you are, your, your standpoint is credible and what you're saying is reasonable and what you're saying is, is, is valid. Like, you, you're in a state, you're in a position where this is not going to end well. And bad communication is not necessarily inaccurate in um, communication. It's just communication that is not done in the right place or in the, at the right time. It could be ill-timed and still bad communication. Like, yeah. you just got to know how to do it. Like, I'm not... I could be cool, but in certain situations, I'm not, like, cool. Like, if we in... Like, you know, one of the worst... And one of the worst things I've, I've faced recently... And it's not worst as in it's bad, but it's just, like... Maybe not me at my best. Um, was like, you know, we had a stream and whatnot and I was directing it. And I said it to them before. I said, look, guys, this is going to get real hairy because things got the potential to go wrong when you feel like you've already averted such situations. Which means, in English, I might get kind of rat. Because mm-hmm. 
not because of you, and it's not personal, it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with the fact that this is a tense situation. I've experienced it before, and it's very tense, and it's very like, mm-hmm. no mistakes, have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So we're in the streaming situation now, and I'm directing the stream and whatnot. And of course, things are going to go awfully wrong. Like, they don't even sometimes start off going right. They usually start with some nonsense. And like, I have to deal with that. Plus, I have to direct you guys. So I have to deal with the situation and still be key and keen enough to make sure that you guys are on the ball too. And that's a lot of stress because once we're doing something live, there's no... Once a mistake happens, it just happens. Yeah. And, and it's no aversion. It's no... We've, we've already passed that mistake. No, it's no not to try to have it happen again. And it's like, it's so progressive and so like, it's, it's unforgiving. And in that moment, like, then Teresa wasn't, I don't think I was a nice person. I don't think I was the nicest guy. And after he was done, like nobody, everybody understood it more for the most part. And then when it was done, like, I was like, okay, guys, good job. Bam, bam, bam. And that's it. And I remember one, one, one of the guys looked at me right in my face, and he said, you know, I really like you, but F you. And I was like, I just laughed. <laughs> and I'm, I laugh because it's like, yeah, the job is done. Like, it's over. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to, just like you, I'm, you're not going to take it personally, or you shouldn't take it personally. When I was in my zone, and I had to, like, yell at you and say, no, move that, no, do that, no, you know, and whatever. I could not take it personally when you vent. Like, you, you're venting, and the job is done. It's over. Yeah. And he just looks at me I and he's like, like, just F you. Just, but, <laughs> go ahead. At least the job, the job was done. Um, you know, you mentioned something that really um, jumped up at me. You said I wasn't a nice person. And I see that sometimes you, you can't, sometimes you can't be a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> just sometimes can't. you can't. Sometimes it's about your work. Sometimes it's about getting to the next level. Like sometimes it's about finishing the project. You know, like forget put everything aside. Just don't take it personally. It's all about us producing. And I'm speaking producing because you know we're creative. But sometimes it's it's that, and you're not the nicest person. I mean, yes, you would want to be your best self, where you know you're thoughtful and your voice is leveled, and you don't yell. No, sometimes you're short. Sometimes you're rude. Sometimes you're just aggressive. But, you know, you have, when you're in that crunch moment, you just got to not take it personally. It's about finishing whatever is there to finish. And that's why debriefing is so important. Yep. Because we come back as a team and we discuss what worked, what didn't work, you know, and you realize, you know, as a leader, when I'm under pressure, this is how, you know, I get, I got to, you know, work on myself or whatever. But you've got to bring back the team to yeah. unpack because, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, people will take things personally, and you and a lot of egos are often in productions and in the room. But you gotta clear the ear. But it's never personal. You can't be nice all the time. You, <laughs> you can't be a walkover pious person all the time. Sometimes you have to be assertive, and that might make somebody a bit uncomfortable. And yes. that's okay. It's true. It's true. Sometimes, it, and the thing is also, like, for me, it's all about time, too. Like, unfortunately, your feelings don't matter right now. Like, your feelings will take time for me to adjust. And and don't get me wrong. Don't get, like, you're not going out there to try to be an awful person. 
Like, yeah. don't don't willfully use the opportunity and overuse the opportunity to just be, you know, so I don't want to say it bad, but a dick. You know, don't don't yeah. don't do that. But just saying, like, at this point, we have to get from A to J. That's the that, and we have to get we, and in some situations you have to get from A to J as quickly as possible, as right. swiftly as possible. And if you are holding up the line for any intents and purposes and stopping us from getting the as experienced as possible, I have to get you jazzed and jazzed and energized to get there quickly. Like to me to stop and say, you know, I'm so sorry that was like a little bit too much. Like, no, that's we we delaying. We need to get to J. And as you said, the briefing is like the, one of the most important parts of it. You need to decelerate. You need to come back yeah. down. You need to be able to listen to what they're saying and get out of that zone because you're done reach to J. Once we get to yeah. J, once we get to J, we good. We and good. And most times, most times you hear people say, Stephen was rude, you know, he was rough, he was tough, but he good. He good at his job. He it's good. Just he just talented. Be, it just got to be finished. Yeah. <laughs> just gotta be done. Gotta be. We're not here for yeah. kicks and giggles. We could kicks and giggles afterwards. And that's and you know, that's something that, that kind of and in, in wrapping up, I think we've reached out our goal. But anyway, in 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 terms of like that's something that's a pet peeve of mine too. Like I really don't like people wasting time. Like I really yeah. like it gets to me. It's like yeah. we could be doing a hundred things, man. Like me and my girlfriend, we we normally say this like I don't have to waste my time waiting on you. Like, I could waste my time with the person I love. I could waste my time with my family. Which, again, is not wasted time, but just to put it into context. It's like, yeah. I could waste my time on the beach. I could waste my time watching a show. My favorite show. I could waste my time playing a video game. I could waste my time doing a hundred other things, a thousand other things right now. I don't have to waste my time on you. And that's something that, like... It kind of, that's my pet peeve when I'm dealing with a production. Normally, a lot of the time, something we have to work with a crew, we have to work with people or collaborate, whatever. And what makes it a pet peeve for me is when, like, I see people, like, slacking off. You could slack off when the job is done. I am not, like, a slave driver person. I'm not, like, oh, you know, you're just sitting around doing nothing. That's not how I feel. We have work to do. When we finish yeah. working, we could slack off as much as we want. We could talk crap. I could share stories and be an idiot like everybody else. But at the same time, when we have work to do and there's something that needs to be done, I'm not going to be fine with you slacking off while there's work to be done. Or sharing your stories when you have lines to run and we have, a, 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 you know, something to set up. We have to finish by 9. This is now 8.15. Like, I don't have time to be laughing and giggling. You know, it's just... and. Um, Again, people take this, they do take it the wrong way. And we live in a culture I, where people do take it the wrong way, unfortunately. I think that's some, you know, you have to, you mentioned something earlier, you mentioned that you have to love what you do. Yeah. And in a part of that is realizing that there are going to be pressure points. So for whatever field I'm in, so in your field, Stephen, you know them live productions, that's a pressure point. Stephen might act up. <laughs> I know for me, it might be a crisis. You know, I may not see my team or they may not see me at the best. You know, you, you're in medicine, you know, it might be an emergency. Whatever it is, you have to know what is the pressure point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you could at least not be surprised. Yeah. 
when you see people acting out of character or they acting at their worst, <laughs> in quotation marks, because you 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 know it's coming. Yeah. It's not all smooth sailing or calm in any field. So, so you have to know them pressure points on your on, in your career, whatever it is. You have to. And the thing is, once you know it, I think once you know it, you're able to warn people up front too. Yeah. Like it's not it's not just it's not just um it's not just all kicks and giggles. I'm, I could be nice. I think a lot of us could be nice, but in some when we go into these pressure points, it might not be so nice. But again, again, if you could warn people, you know, you've been to surgery before, you know how surgery works. You could just say, hey, look, you know, you might be new to this. When I get into surgery, might be a little rough. Okay? Yeah. Again, yeah. it might be a little rough. I'm not going to abuse you. At least I would hope not. But it's going to be rough. And then you just kind of prepare and you, you kind of deal with that too. Like you even in yourself, like you kind of have to accept yourself too. I mean, don't accept yourself doing the worst job that you could possibly do. Of course, try to get better, but always try to know that you're under some level of pressure. And people under pressure, mm -hmm. human beings, you either crack or you rise up sometimes to meet it. Uh, that's just, that's how life works. That's fine. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, one thing I try my best to do is when we have those pressure points, is to try to not let it be we are like clients and so would be able to see it like That's another thing Steven time and place time and place to trash out your issues not in front of the client time and place That's, listen <laughs> that sucks the life out of me get it together you pull you know your person aside you handle it you know but don't let us the client see you guys at war, at it, have difference of opinion, handle yourself. Accordingly. You know, Accordingly. there there were there, there are times when like it's so funny. Like there are times I remember we used to hear this one person. They were actually a part of the team, the core team. Like it was it was me and Sharon and this other person. And um we kinda had to separate not just for creative differences, but because of professional differences. Like the person would like kind of overstep the turn and like be talking above the clients and doing these kind of not nice things and we, we of course we've talked to them said look you can't do this like you have to allow the client the remember they're the ones who are hiring us we're there at their pleasure we're here for them you can't be like talking over them or making them feel like their opinions are not important their opinions are important even if their opinions are misguided they're still important you know what I mean and I remember there were times when I just had to just hush. <laughs> like, as it to not make it seem like me and this person are like at war or anything. Right. Like, just had to, for that space in time, just had to hush. Mm -hmm. Just had to hush and then signal and and deal with it afterwards. But just, just kind of hush. Let mm -hmm. them talk, let them finish. And, and, and not to make up scenario of it. And of course, the client... For all intents and purposes, I guess didn't realize anything was wrong. But of course, you know, me and me and Charlie Dear probably stir in. It's like, what are you <laughs> doing? This is unprofessional. You don't say that. And also to like knowing what to say to clients, it's, it's also some people don't have that kind of tact. No. Like there, there are clients that you could talk trash and crap with. And, right. and, and there are also clients that you just can't. They're not going to take it well. 
And also there are, like, there are cultural differences that you have to be aware of. Talking yeah. about certain topics might be culturally fine. Like if you're dealing with a client that's from Sinkis, that might be okay. Like that sometimes they feel even better that you're talking to them, you kind of feel like a real person. But if you're dealing with somebody who comes from Guatemala, like they're not gonna have the same sensitivities. Like you have to be really sensitive. And sometimes I find it best to just stick to talking to work, talking about work. Yeah. Until they make the first move. Sometimes people like would actually give you what they're comfortable talking to about. Like I've had people come in the middle of a job, like clients come and start talking about sex and so like, I'm like, what the shit? Like I am here uncomfortable, but again, that's their mode of conversation. That's what they're yeah. comfortable doing. Like I might add a quip. I might not go, I'm not going to go into depth about my personal life with them because we're not, we don't have the rapport, but that's what they're comfortable with. Sometimes you just have to kind of fight fire with fire and be done with it. Yeah, sometimes you need to take the cue from whoever you're working with to know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know? You can't go in high and mighty. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me. They're going to take me out, leave me. You know, sometimes you just need to go in and observe. (laughs) Take the cues, see what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's the culture, and act accordingly. Like, a lot of persons don't do that. Because no one needs to say no, you're it's not, not being, being fake. fake. You're being smart. You're really being smart. And it's for <laughs> your best interest. Like, a cousin yeah. of mine used to say all the time, hush fuss. I like that. <laughs> hush fuss. Hush. <laughs> hush fuss. Like, don't <laughs> say, like, good morning, hush. And you see, see what happens. See what happens. One of the yeah. most difficult experiences I've ever had, which was also one of the more enlightening ones, was visiting New York City. Like, New York City has a very different culture to St. Kitts. It's not as friendly at all. Like, people are not... It, 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 it feels like... I don't want to say a city of drones because I did have some interesting conversation with some strangers, but it's just a different culture. Like, people don't take well to you, like, approaching them for conversation if you're a stranger. Like... Yeah. They, they don't, they, they would not even, they would be very rude to you and all. Like you're on a train, you're sitting down next to somebody, you know, you might make a joke and they're just not, they don't care. They don't laugh. They don't, they just, it's different. But hush fuss. Hush <laughs> so, fuss. I like that. Hush fuss and see what happens. <laughs> see what happens, man. But anyway, then Tracy, I don't know. I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to wrap up saying but I think we've reached the time. No way. This is too short. I know. Ah. I know. It, it sometimes is. It sometimes is. But unfortunately, we do have a time limit. And kind of just this is a good. This is a good conversation, Stephen. I really hope whoever professional is listening that they got a few gems. Because <laughs> we spoke on a lot. We did. I really, really hope. Yeah, I really hope they got a few gems. Like, hush first. That's the first one. <laughs> observing people's pressure points. Yeah. Yeah, I made some notes. Some and mental. asking tough questions. Like, yes, like, so much gems. Anyway, guys, we've been talking to Dentricia Blanchett. Uh, my name is Stephen Smith. This has been Objectively Incorrect. Dentricia, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Alrighty, Stephen. Thank you. All right. And guys, as usual, peace. No gang signs. Stay safe.